to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This podcast brought to you by the Weekly Standard Cruise. Cruising the Mediterranean October 9th through the 20th with all of your Weekly Standard favorites, including Stephen Hayes, Bill Crystal, and Fred Barnes. For more information, visit TWSCruise.com. That's the Weekly Standard, TWSCruise.com. We're going to pass another massive, monstrous 1,200-whatever-page bill to solve a complicated problem that's never been solved before, kind of like Obamacare, what could possibly go wrong? Let's ask Bill Crystal with the Weekly Standard. Bill, thanks for your time. Sure, Michael. Good talking to you. So the bill is going to pass today. It'll pass in 67 or 68 votes, I think, about a third of the, all the Democrats and about a third of the Republicans. Um, and they will pass a 1,276-page bill that most of them couldn't give you the foggiest uh, uh, ideas to you know what the actual the implications, what the actual provisions are, let alone all their interactions and implications. But I guess that's how legislation is made th- these days, and um, so that'll be a that will that, that will happen this afternoon. And what happens to the bill after that? I was up on the hill this morning talking with some uh, House Republicans. Uh, well, the House Republic, the House will not take up this bill. That's good news for those of us who think it's not good legislation. The House will may try to pass individual pieces of legislation on border security and other immigration-related issues. Uh, it's not clear whether they can get the uh, – the Democrats presumably will oppose all those little bills on the grounds that it has to be comprehensive or nothing. So even though the Democrats claim to be in favor of um, high-tech uh, – uh, letting in more high-tech uh, folks – uh, or to stay, helping them stay in the country uh, if they get PhDs here, for example, uh, even though they claim to be in favor of border security, they won't vote for those absent the broader bill and absent the amnesty, basically the the path to citizenship, uh, which doesn't uh, which comes first and which, which they get on first in this bill. So uh, I don't know how much the House Republicans can pass, and if they do pass individual pieces of legislation, they have to be very careful. I think that those don't become a trap uh, to get the uh, House into a conference with the Senate, then they come back with something like the Senate bill, and, and Boehner's under huge pressure to bring it to the floor, and it passes with Democratic votes. I was assured by senior House Republicans that they were well aware of this trap. They're not going to permit it. And basically, though they want to say, and truthfully say, that they'd like to pass individual pieces of immigration reform, I think senior House Republicans are coming to the view that um, no legislation is better than bad legislation. And if nothing happens, the session of Congress, they can live with that. So the political uh, consequences of not passing anything are acceptable as we head into 2014? I think they are. I think increasingly uh, people from Speaker Bader on down think they are. There are a lot of Republicans, though, who are nervous about that. They, they've, uh, they believe that this is the magic bullet to somehow reverse the decline in the Hispanic vote over the last several years for Republicans. I don't think they're right about that, but that's what they believe. So there will be pressure on Bader and this is an issue where I think the grassroots will, will matter a lot. If members go home over this next week, over July 4th, uh, and hear from people that, you know, this bill is bad and they don't want any version of it, and they would just assume they can live with the status quo much better than anything like this bill, I think House Republicans will come back and there's a big meeting on July 10th with the Speaker, a two-hour private conference of all the House Republican members, uh, where they're going to resolve their strategy going forward on immigration. Uh, I think what's striking to me uh, watching this debate over the last three, four, five months is as the debate has gone forward, and it's been a policy-heavy debate, actually, on the bill and on the different proposals and different parts of the bill, uh, how much damage has been done to the legislation, uh, how little, how weak the case for it has been, how much more it looks like Obamacare today uh, than like something any conservative should, 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 should be in favor of. 
Well, uh, Weekly Standard readers across the country can call their uh, representatives, but uh, in New England, where I work, Bill, we got no one to call because it's not a single. Well, you guys have relatives who live in more civilized parts of the country. Well, but my you, point is, my point is, here in New England, the Republican um, who was running for U.S. Senate to fill uh, in a special election, who just lost this week, was pro amnesty, and in fact had written a letter to Governor Patrick. At the, the Democrat saying, if you send me to Washington as a temporary senator, I'll support the president on amnesty. And that, to me, is the divide. The East Coast and West Coast elites whose jobs will never be threatened by a, a influx of uh, low-skill, low-wage workers love this idea. But people in competitive blue-collar states say, are you kidding me? It's hard enough to find a job as it is. Look, I agree with that. It's a public policy matter. But I also think, I mean, it's an interesting political test. Uh, Gabriel Gomez was in many ways an attractive candidate. I mean, I assume he said what he believed on immigration. But if he had taken the position, I mean, you live up there, I don't. If right. he had taken the position that if he had been a, a, a critic of the immigration bill, and he could have not been a harsh critic, and he didn't need to sound like some of those who I think have got over the line in their hostility to immigrants, but he could say, you know, be very sympathetic to immigrants and be very sympathetic to fixes in the immigration system, but say, I just think this bill is bad policy. It's a mistake to do this comprehensive 1,200-page bill, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, would that have hurt him or helped him as a candidate in Massachusetts, even in deep blue Massachusetts? Right. I suspect, looking at it from afar, that it, I don't think it would have hurt him. And I think it might have helped him pick up some Reagan Democrat type mm -hmm. voters. No, I agree. And, and that's one of the conversations after the fact what uh, Republicans saying I wasn't motivated to support him. And this was one reason if he had been on our side on amnesty, we could have worked with him. But to me, I see this growing divide uh, across uh, other issues, too, Bill, where you've got kind of the. You know, the elites who live in an arena where their economic life is so different from a large number of Americans. And I believe that those Americans, whether they were Democrats four years ago, Republicans, whatever, it doesn't matter, that those uh, voters are in play. And I don't understand why the Republican leadership doesn't see that play for the new Reagan Democrat or whatever you want to call them, the people who've been displaced in the changing economy who want you can't solve the problem of waving a wand and creating jobs, but you can at least certainly say, I'm not going to force you to lose a job to a guy who cheated his way to get it in the first place. Look, I agree very much that a focus on Main Street, not Wall Street, on middle America, and not the elites, is the way for Republicans to go, the way for conservatives to go, both as a matter of actual public policy. These are the guys whose wages have been hurt the last 10 years, not the elites. And also, as a matter of equity, it also, frankly, is a matter of politics. I think more and more people are coming to that realization. I, I, I think I was on Fox News Sunday this past Sunday and just said this in a very you know, quick way, maybe not even a particularly coherent way, that the problem with the Obama and Bernanke uh, economic policies is they're fine for big banks, big Wall Street, right. uh, big labor, big business. Not so good for the small saver, the small businessman, the uh, lower middle class, working class family. I got a big response, emails, you know, people trying to get in touch through the editor. People don't, I don't know personally, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and then some people I know, some politicians saying, you know what, we really have to work on that agenda. I think that is one of the key challenges for Republicans and conservatives over the next couple of years, a pro-middle class, pro-Main Street economic and social policy agenda. You know, the word that uh, uh, people on the left like to use is fair, and it's interesting how they choose to use it. But I think that that is part of the discontent. Uh, you know, I do talk radio, so I get to hear from people all the time, just average working guys who pick up the phone and call me. 
and that they get a sense that this, the system isn't fair. For example, they know that whatever uh, bill is passed on illegal immigration, that it will not be applied fairly. That the fact is, illegal. For example, under this bill, the way it supposedly saves money is that the newly legalized immigrants will not be eligible for Obamacare. Well, they know that they are going to be eligible for Obamacare. That's not going to stand. And they just get a sense every day that the the playing field is being tilted based on politics. You're, you want to start a, a, four, a, a 5-1-C-3, it's about politics, you know, and, and on and on. And I think that that is an issue that the amnesty debate touches, that it's not I hate immigrants or I don't want immigrants here, but come on. I have to play by the rules. I'm here. Why don't other people have to play by the rules too? And we know other, I know other people. There are people in this office, the Whitby Sanders, who are uh, waiting in line, so to speak, mm-hmm. and uh, um, to become American citizens. And it doesn't seem quite fair that you know, they're being, in a sense, uh, not being helped and not being put up, moved up in the line uh, compared to those who, who came here illegally. So I think one doesn't have to be punitive. One doesn't have to be for deportation, particularly. I'm for legalizing most of the illegal immigrants who are here in an appropriate way, but doing it after we secure the border, after we secure entry and exit, and also being serious about the right way to legalize them and not having a situation where we have a flood of low-skilled immigrants, which I think really will put more pressure on working Americans wages. So I, I think these are, you know, really important. I think you, you're right about the popular discontent. Uh, it's really, I think it makes all the difference, honestly, whether Republicans and conservatives can uh, speak to that discontent and have solutions to the degree one can solve these things. They're complicated, but at least have things that will help people who feel those discontents over the next two, three years. It really makes a difference between winning in 2014, winning in 2016, and continuing to slug it out at a disadvantage with the Democrats, who can always promise goodies to their constituencies, um, as Obama did in 2012. The most, uh, to wrap this up, the, the most frustrating thing to me is that if Republicans had had a simple immigration approach, well, like you said, they laid out here are just th- three simple steps, and then we have an op- opportunity for amnesty afterwards. That's something that Republicans could have supported, and then it would have put the Democrats on the defense. But by creating this big miasma, this bloated 1,200-page disaster, everybody gets to run, everybody gets to hide, nothing gets done, and uh, I think the Republicans have actually lost an opportunity on immigration. I think they have for now. Look, candidates can can make their own arguments in 2014, and I do think one reason to put a stake through this bill sooner rather than later in the House and make clear it's going nowhere is it kind of clears the air, clears the field. It lets people who are thinking of running for president start to develop their own proposals, and we get out of this trap we're in right now where being for immigration reform is defined as being for this very bad 1,276-page bill. Right. I absolutely agree. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your thoughts. As today, the uh, bill is, is uh, certain to pass the Senate. We really appreciate your time. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast brought to you by the Weekly Standard Cruise. October 9th through 20th, cruise the Mediterranean with your Weekly Standard favorites. For all the details, visit TWSCruise.com. That's TWSCruise.com.